ladies and gentlemen, look who it is. It's DJ King Topher. What up? Hello, everybody. Come on, man. This is exciting. Dude, we were singing last night when we were hanging out in the green room. Like, this must be God because it's just too crazy for it not to be. <laughs> like, we, we, we just literally met yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, and we've never met before, and uh, and and so how this all went down, I, I'm not too sure, but I know that you 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 hit me up. You're like, man, look at the lineup for your conference, yep. and I was like, bro, you should come and bring some vinyls, and you know, just kind of goofing <laughs> around. And before we before we knew it, we had you and your family on airplanes coming out. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, not on airplanes. You <laughs> well, guys all came on one plane, on but, my private jet, but you know. Yeah, right. Just right, kidding. Right. Just kidding. Just kidding. Where am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alaskan Airlines for sure. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And dude, then last night your first, your your first time actually like DJing at a at a church conference. Yeah. Or church in general. Yeah, it was. It's it's just yeah, it's hilarious. This this whole it's so funny and amazing at the same time, of just thinking, wow, I played at a church last night and people had a great time, and then we heard testimonies of people getting healed of PTSD and stuff during the set. And awesome. like, okay. This is really cool, and yeah, I mean, we, we've been following each other on Instagram for a bit now, and we we'll always like comment on funny memes and stuff that we post or whatnot. Right, right. And then you put the lineup for this, uh, this conference, I was like, oh, I know so many of those people. What a great lineup. And you're like, bro, he sent me this voicemail. Bro, you want to come and DJ? I'm like, sure. <laughs> Never done this before at a church, but like, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I was like, I can't Dude, promise I, I, that, I, they, I, won't, I, that I, they won't stone you, but, you know, like, Seattle I mean, gets crazy in Seattle. Well, I mean, you know, you, know, you got to be a martyr somehow. So right, right. Might as well right. get stoned for... Uh, <clears throat> DJing in a church. Exactly. So, dude, like, uh, so, like, with, as far as, like, being in the church and stuff, like, were you raised in the church or, what, like, what was? Yeah. So, I grew up in Indiana. Okay. And everybody went to church. Um, and the thing is, people genuinely love Jesus. Yeah. They know God. But I never heard much about the Holy Spirit growing up. And so I'd read stuff in the Bible, and I'd see these stories, and I'm always like, why, why don't we talk about this? Like, you know, Jesus healed a lot of people and prayed for a lot of people, and the disciples did that. Like, why aren't we actively doing that? And just be, instead of just going like, oh, well, I'll pray for you. It's like, well, why aren't we praying for them right now? Which is now? another way of saying, oh, that sucks. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, right? oh, I feel, it's like, the, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> right. Sucks you to be you, man. Yeah. You know? and, and so... I made a decision before my freshman year of college, I can either take this seriously or like what's the point of just kind of playing the role of going to church and just wow. doing the, oh, this is the nice thing to do or the right thing to do. It's like, yeah, I don't think Jesus was like, oh, I just want you to be right or good. He's like, I want you to follow me. And wow. so I had to make a decision of do I really want to do this or not? And so I decided to do that. Wow. And so my poor choices were not in college. They were more in high school. And so I went to college and then that's when I stopped drinking, stopped doing anything stupid like that. And it was, it was really backwards for most people. Most people were like, oh, I went to church, I was a really good kid in high school. And then I went to college and went crazy. It was not that for me. But yeah, I, I weirdly ended up in a fraternity, uh, which was not my goal. Mm -hmm. It's not something I was like wanting to do, but I really felt like God was like, hey, you should do this. Started a Bible study in, wow. in it. And I think it's still going on to this day because there, there was nothing on campus for people in fraternities or sororities, which where I went to college, it was about 85% of the campus. And so 
I was like, this is so weird. All the Christian organizations on campus just care about people that aren't, you know, 15% of the population. Like, that's great. They needed to be impacted, but I don't know. It's a little bit odd here. So I started this, I don't know, call it, we called it the Tuesday Night Secret Society. Nice, nice, and, nice. Uh, yeah, because everyone's like, what do you guys talk about? I'm like, we're not going to tell you. Because <laughs> uh, I wanted to create a safe place for yeah, that's cool. dudes that's and cool. frats to be really honest wow. about all sorts of stuff. I mean, they'd show up and they'd be drinking beer and they'd be chewing tobacco, yeah. smoking cigarettes. And they'd be like, yeah, I banged this chick this weekend. I shouldn't have done it. Like... That, and like, but it was so, it was the most honest wow. small group I've ever been a part of. Wow. And it's still going on to this day on campus. That's incredible. Which is pretty wild. Yeah, that's incredible. And so uh, that was a big moment for me of like, okay, I think that was the beginning of God say, like really taking me into like, I'm going to put you in places where the church isn't to go love those people and bring hope and, you know, have people encounter me. Um, and so that, yeah, that was a big part. And then the next big phase of my, my walk with Jesus would have been when I really started to understand who the Holy Spirit was. Uh, and that was, I don't know, I guess around 30-ish. So about six or seven years ago is when I would, around a lot more people that, um, you know, Bethel was a big part of that. And, you know, hearing they got, about... They got you with their music, huh? Honestly, no. <laughs> I... We'll get into this later. Okay, because I was going to say, because that's, that's how we get most good Baptists is, is through Bethel music. You know, they start singing the songs and they're like, heaven is here now. Yeah. Heaven is Jesus. Wait, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, we got, we got one. We got one. My, my Fish friend, on. My friend told me the funniest joke about Baptists the other day. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to go in? Yeah, please, it? please. <laughs> he goes, he goes, I love a, a good Baptist joke. <laughs> he goes, <"All> right. <laughs> See, like, I didn't grow up, like, with denomination stuff, so I, none of this, like, means anything okay, to me. Okay, okay. So it, it, I'm yeah, like, sure, whatever. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, but he was like, why don't Baptists, like, premarital sex? I was like, I don't know. They're like, because it leads to dancing. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> My grandpa used to say, repent and be Baptist for all of sin and falling short of the assemblies of God. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? Okay, so yeah, it was the Holy yeah, Spirit. The like, Holy Spirit. like when you yeah, got your so, big Holy Spirit blast, yeah, like how that... Then, you know, and then started dating who, this beautiful lady over here is now my wife, and we would listen to these Bethel, Bethel sermons, and she grew up around that stuff, and so it just became a lot more common to, you know, just be around people who are praying for people, seeing miracles happen, going after the supernatural stuff, and... It wasn't, and it was never weird to me because I'd read the Bible and be like, oh, this is just what they've been talking about. So it wasn't a difficult transition. No. You were just like, oh, of course. No, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. finally. Wow. People that I've been, you know, you read this stuff in the Bible. Oh, these are the people that are actually going after this. I always thought it was confusing when people are like, that doesn't happen nowadays. And you're like, well, why would Jesus tell us to be like him and then like not give us the tools to be like him? Right. And so it was really cool to see that and then... What I realized during that journey of growing with the Holy Spirit was like, oh, I actually really knew him all along, but I just didn't understand. Wow. I didn't have like the language. Because wow. I would get senses about things or like know things I shouldn't. That would lead to certain stuff. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's what all this stuff was. This is starting to make more sense. 
That's awesome. Because yeah. I, I was going to ask you about that. Like if, uh, so you're stepping into the awareness of the Holy Spirit, but I was going to ask you yeah. how, how natural, easy was it for you to actually be activated in the gifts and in, into these places? And it sounds like it was, it was pretty easy. It sounds like you had already been walking in a dimension of the supernatural. Yeah, a little like, bit. Yeah. It, I mean, you used to, I mean, people are like, oh, your gut. No, you know, what, what does it say in your gut? And you're right. like, well, I think that's a lot of language for people that don't know the Holy Spirit. Sure. Um, that's what it was more for me. I have these intuitions or these things. And I'm like, no, this doesn't feel right. I don't feel easy about this. Or something really is drawing me to this thing over here. Let's go after that. And now you're just like, oh, yeah, that's you can feel it different now. You're like, oh, that was just the Holy Spirit all along. And so it's nice to have a better relationship, understand it more, and be able to navigate it a bit easier. But yeah. So then, were you always a music guy? Like, like growing up, were you like into instruments and stuff? Or did that come, come later on? I was around music. My mom's a great musician and played piano and guitar and stuff. My younger brother's an amazing musician. I was too busy playing sports to okay. like really learn instruments and stuff when I was younger. Um, yeah, so I, I was around it a lot, but I fell in love. See, that's not fair to me because like, like I, was, I was musical like growing up. Like I was the kid yeah. that like when everybody was playing sports, I was in a dark room on a piano like yeah crying you know like 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 literally my dude my PE teacher said to me and I was probably uh, I was a junior and he said to me he said I was running down the basketball court he goes hey Darren and I was like yeah I was like yes sir <laughs> and he called him sir and he was like are, are you retarded and I was like what no and he's like are you sure and now dude he's yelling he's yelling like all, like everywhere else can hear him are, are, are he goes are you sure I said yeah I'm sure he's like have you asked your mom and, and that was kind of his sense of humor. And, um, and then, but it, it planted doubt in me. Like, I actually was wondering if I should ask my mom, like, if, there, if because I literally had issues running and walking. Mm. And, 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 and I, there was like a curse on me because, like, every time I'd play sports, I'd get hit in the head with a ball. Mm. It didn't matter if it was a baseball or a basketball. And, uh, and I went through it through RTF and, and we broke all curses. But, and I, and I believe all curses are broken. You know, <laughs> he became a curse. You know, he took the ball in the head for me. So I don't have to get hit in the head with balls, dude. But Jesus even to this day, pelted. like my kids get, my kids give out for this. Like, like if I'm out, like balls will still find their way to my head. That's so wild. <laughs> yeah. And then my poor son got in the head the other day with a ball. And I was like, no, like <laughs> it's generational. Are you breaking right now? Are you breaking? <laughs> Anyways, so it just does not seem fair to me that you get to be musical and you're like this incredible guy at sports. But but that's okay. So you were too busy. You were too busy playing sports to be mu musical. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I a very athletic family. Love sports. Love being active. All that stuff. It's awesome. And I just never wanted to take the time to sit at the piano and be great at the piano. Like yeah. I know music theory. I can play chords and stuff like that. But. I know enough to do what I do professionally. I'm so grateful that I exist in the time when computers and all that wow. are around. But yeah, I, it was in middle school. We moved to Arizona for a couple of years and I fell in love with underground hip hop. So like Jurassic Five, The Beat Nuts, Tribe Called Quest, stuff yeah. like that. And in the background, there'd always be a DJ like, scratching these records. And I was like, I don't want to be a rapper. I want to be that guy who's like making the beats and like scratching and doing all this stuff. And yeah. so I didn't really know what it was at the time. And then I figured, oh, this is what DJs do. And, and then my birthday is five days after Christmas. And so I, um, 
I asked my parents one year if, if I could have a joint Christmas and birthday present, and it could be turntables. And they said yes. And so for my 15th birthday and Christmas, got my first ever pair of turntables. And that was my real start of my journey with music. And, and that, so, that was actually like vinyls. Yeah. Like, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used wow. to have a ton of vinyl records. When people used to value music, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so you, you started at 15. Yeah. And just started growing, and yep. that's amazing. And then it was a couple years later, um, was back in Arizona. We moved back to Indiana, was back in Arizona for a baseball camp, and we were watching this aggressive skating or rollerblading was huge there. We were watching this video of this guy, and they'd always have like these sections of them doing their tricks, and they'd put music over it. And this guy, his name was Billy Prislin. I remember it so vividly, which, and this was so long ago. But he was a DJ as well, and he played this record for his set. And I was like, I sat there, and I don't remember watching him do any of the tricks, but I'm just listening to the music going, I've never heard anything like this before. I feel like my life is changing. Like, this is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. And there's a song by Armin Van Buren called Communication. And from then on, I stopped buying hip-hop records, bought all dance music records, and it turned into what it is. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, this lady came up to me um, in, in, uh, today, and, and she loved what you did last mm. night. And then she was like, so this song that he played, you know, because I think there might be some confusion as to what you actually do behind, yeah. the, behind the table. And yeah. so some people think, maybe think that you just basically hit, hit play on like a, on an iPod, <laughs> you know, and then you kind of dance around yeah. like every so often, you know. Yeah. And, um, so when you're producing... And, 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 when you're when so these these songs that you're yeah. releasing these are these are your songs and yeah. would you just kind of quickly explain what what the process of producing a song looks like just to give people a little bit of context as to what it is that you actually what you're actually doing as being a, a, an artist yeah so basically you're a composer and you write all the different sections for all the instruments and you piece it together and you know i do the songwriting on, on, I think, all but I think two or three records that I've released. I've been, I've helped write the vocals for every song. Um, oh, so these vocals are actually, these are like... Original vocals. Oh, really? That's yeah. amazing. So you're not yeah, finding yeah. old well, stuff. Well, I mean, like on, on the, la well, the, the second single, the two singles ago, Welcome Home with Dante and Naomi, that was, I got the rights from Bethel Music to use those vocals. Um, because I had heard like a snippet cool, on cool, YouTube and was cool. like, I could flip that into a really cool house record. So sometimes you'll hear something, you're like, yeah. I'd love to utilize that in yeah. a song. But yeah. for a but, lot of your stuff, you're actually you're, you're yeah. capturing this. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, almost all, everything I do, I mean, about 98% of the records I release are, it's all original content from the lyrics to the vocals to the production and the music and everything. Yeah, yeah, that, that 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 that's awesome. So you're 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 building in the same way that like perhaps a band would go into a studio yep. and they would lay out maybe drums mm -hmm. and then bass, guitar, and then guitar and keys. Yep. You're doing the same thing, but instead of using um, rock based instruments, yep. you're using more electronic sounds yep. and building out a song in the same way that any other song would be built out. Totally awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean it just. It makes it easier. I mean, technology is so incredible right now where I can, you know, there's a song, I'll probably end up playing it tonight during the set that I finished today. And it's like, I, it's so cool. I can sit in a hotel in Seattle and finish a song that I started. Basically, we wrote the vocals over two years ago and then all this stuff. But yeah, you can, you know, you synths. I, I do try and get live instruments in on certain records. 
because it can bring a different feel. You know, I love kind of some funk guitars. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you want some real live bass just because it's a different feel than sure. a program bass line that's like perfectly quantized. But yeah, a lot of stuff, um, mostly synths, but some real instruments as well kind of meshed in. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's awesome. And um, yeah, last night was amazing. I, so when you're performing, uh, so what are you actually doing when you're performing? Because um, you're, you're doing some stuff, you're, you're manipulating sounds and stuff. So how would you explain what performance looks like? Really, I'm just texting my wife and then just dancing. <laughs> She's sending me pictures of my son and I get happy and move hey, around babe. a little bit. Yeah. LOL, yeah. you're so funny. Yeah. I can't believe these people are actually dancing right now. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'll, I'll try and make, make this as sure. not technical as Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, uh, Basically, you have one turntable, and then you've got a second turntable, at least the setup that I have here. Normally, there's four, but we're doing just two. And what I'm doing is I'm, there's a record that's playing. That's the one that's going through the speakers. I'm matching the tempo of the record I'm going to play next so that they are on the beats line up and mm-hmm. are on just basically in the same tempo, and it sounds good. And then you'll you know cut out certain frequencies and parts of the song that's coming in, and then this, and then you try and transition from one to the next. Um, DJing is way less about like spontaneous in the moment from the musical side of things because your record is somewhat finished. I mean, with now technology nowadays, you can kind of adjust some things on the fly. But the art of DJing is looking at a room seeing how people react to a song, seeing how people react to another song, and, and then picking up, oh, this is what people are into. This is where I think we can take them. Let's build the room in a way where we take them on this journey and start here and end up over here and along the way do all these different things. And so it's a little bit different than, like if you know, a band is up here, like they're doing everything live. That's not what I'm doing is playing the song instrument-wise, live, but it's more the art of how do I program and take people on a journey with these songs that I have that are finished and go from one place to the next. And, cool. and this is also why dance music sounds so much better than any other music live is because it's so well-produced and it's a finished product wow. Wow. where the way that it's mastered and compressed and everything, it just sounds fat and clean on big systems sure. where live instruments are going to get messy, it's going to get a little bit sloppy, yep. there's not as much impact. And so it's a little bit different style from a live perspective than other music. And um, yeah, it's very different than a band, but the whole art of DJing is, can you, it's called reading a room. Like, can you see, oh, really? what, yeah, yeah. Like, can you see what is working and, and take people on a journey and build, and I don't want to say like manipulate people's emotions, but like take people on this emotional journey of starting here, going there, going this way. Some people might love, like some crowds might love vocals all the time. Other places might want almost no vocals. They just want kind of techy, chunky stuff and yeah. that's what gets them going and it's figuring that out and then going on this journey together as you kind of lead the room. So you're a worship leader. Yeah. <laughs> so there are a lot of similarities and <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> so this is my recent thought. You use the word worship leader. I had this thought a couple days ago. I actually believe everybody's a worship leader. I don't like the phrase at all, I think, anymore. But because everyone's worshiping and leading their worship towards something. 
as a person, as a band, as a whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. some, every every human being is worshiping something. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, so I don't know, the, whole, the term worship leader, I'm like, I mean, you can lead people in worship. I think maybe that's a better way. This yeah. is all just semantics of wordplay. But yeah, there used to be a, a vineyard worship leader. I, I, I mean, I, there used to be. He's still alive and doing well, but his name was Norm Strauss. He was a vineyard worship leader. And he used to say that, um, that a worship leader is actually a lead worshiper. Yep. And, and following the true worship leader, which is Christ. Yep. So Christ leads the lead worshiper who then engages the yep. room and brings people. So I always thought that was good. good. I always thought that was good language. <clears throat> but no, I mean, the, the same way that a, a worship band will try to like <clears throat> stir up faith in the room and take people on a journey musically to encounter the Lord, that's literally what I'm trying to do wow. in clubs and festivals. Yeah, it's the so, exact same so thing. Fascinating. Yeah, it's so fascinating. <clears throat> um, and then just one more kind of geeky question. Yeah. Um, uh, since you and I are totally in the scene. Um, <laughs> Bro, your guitar solo last night was amazing. Thanks, man. Thanks, dude. Yeah. I, I don't like to do that because, you know, I don't like to... It looked like I was showing off. Okay. Um, all right, anyways. <laughs> I know you don't want to shame any yeah. other musicians on stage with your excellent skills. That's very humble of you. Yeah, but. well, the spirit of excellence is is so on me that it can be intimidating. You know how it is. I mean, like I said. All right, so, no, here, here's a question for you. Um, within the scene, within yeah. the DJ scene, are there, are, I would imagine that it, it could be maybe just as segmented and fragmented as the church and that there could be some judgment on different streams oh, even totally. with, within the scene. I was wondering, like, is there like the purist where it's all about like the old school oh, vinyl and judgment towards the new digital way of doing, like, does that exist within the, within the scene or is it is it more yes. complimentary like oh no it's all good well you know i think it's less about the way you're performing and more about the style of music you play so okay. <laughs> like um people that play house music tend to be a lot more joyful um, oh, okay. yeah people that play techno are like the most arrogant elitist like, <laughs> obnoxious people ever <laughs> i have friends that are in that world and i talk to them i'm like I'm like, why is your genre so pretentious all the time? Like, everybody's angry and moody. Like, yeah, and yeah. has such strong opinions about everything. Yeah. And, like, and they're the least paid out of everybody, too. You're like, I don't understand this. Like, this makes no sense to me. Like, if you're making a million dollars a show, like, say whatever you want about sure, whoever. Like, sure, 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 <laughs> sure. I don't know. It's the least popular, and they're the most opinionated and pretentious. It's very confusing to me. But, no, it... I mean, yeah, all the techno fans hate so me now. So it's just like, so it's just like yeah. the church yeah, then, yeah. because that's like, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think just genre-wise, like everyone, because there's dance music, is, which is this huge thing of DJing and the whole dance music culture, but within that, like there's dubstep, there's drum and bass, there's future bass, there's house music, and then within house music, there's like 15 different genres. There's tech house, there's uh, future house, there's bass house, and so there's all these different kind of streams and then like breakoffs of those streams. And so, yeah, a lot like the church. <laughs> <laughs> and the streams is streams. Yeah, streams and, but, streams. but the thing is, maybe that this culture does better than the church is eventually they all end up at the same festival. Oh, wow. And they're all playing. Oh, wow. And they're all, and like people have beef. People, some people like whoever, uh, you know, and friends, and doesn't matter what kind of music they play. Other people, you know, or some people just don't get along. But, you know, there are these festivals that every genre will be at and everyone will be playing, and 
you know, half a million people show up and it's great. Yeah, dude. Now, now, when a lot of people, I mean, even just hearing the word rave last night at yeah. at, at, at church, I mean, for a lot of people, and, and we even heard that that was kind of uh, both triggering and healing for people last mm-hmm. night, especially uh, for somebody that, that went through some healing last night yep. because of of PTSD that they experienced from from a rave. And I yeah. think a lot of people, uh, when they when they think of techno, they immediately equate it to a rave scene, which they immediately would link to, you know drugs, trancing out, you know, touching I mean, each they're other. they're not wrong. What's that? They're not wrong in thinking that. Yeah, yeah. And so I was going to ask you, when you started getting involved, like, in, in this whole kind of kind of scene and everything, um, and then and then also just being a believer and still being in this in yeah. this whole kind of scene, um, what, what is that like? Is that like an, an exhilarating kind of missional kind of, kind of thing? Um, or, like, I don't need to give you an answer. Like, what what has this journey been like for you? Being who you are, you know what God's doing, and then also just being in this scene. And is there more to is is there more to it than people's initial perception of where they go immediately when they think of that genre? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely. Well, I think any music, there's always some sort of association with drugs. Like, it's not just dance music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're into the Grateful Dead and stuff like that, well, like everybody's smoking a bunch of weed or maybe taking LSD at those shows. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. There, there's always been a correlation between music and some sort of, you know, some sort of drug experience. Sure, and sure. and like I shared briefly on last night, I understand where they're coming from. I don't agree with the outplaying of it, but. Like music is supposed to draw us closer to the Lord. Classical some- music is probably like the most innocent of all of all genres, right? Like, <sighs> I don't know. I'm sure we could do some digging. <laughs> there's there's no way they're clean. Right. No, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, the opera. I, I music. I think the Lord created music as a way for us to encounter Him. Yes. Um, and and so I understand when people go to these shows that. They want to ex- experience something more than just the natural. And so that's, I'm like, okay, well, everyone's wired for the supernatural. They're wired for something greater than just this. And so there's this innate thing in them of wanting to experience something greater and to be in this environment where music is playing and it's leading them into some sort of encounter or experience. I totally understand that. And I'm like, yes, you are wired to do that. I don't know why people get mad at you for doing what you were wired to do. I think the way they live it out is that's the different conversation. But I think the reason why people do this is because the church has been so afraid to actually go into places outside of the church and show people the real thing. So instead of getting drunk on alcohol, like you get drunk in the spirit, instead of taking LSD and going on some sort of trip, well, go have a real, like, vision and encounter with the Lord. Like, instead of taking ecstasy at a rave, go experience the ecstasy of heaven. Like, yes. And so, I, it's, it's, just the, it's just the natural counterfeit of what they're wired to do. And so, that's, that's my thought on it. I mean, you know, it breaks my heart to see people making certain choices and the, the roads that it can lead down to and how destructive it can be, but I understand the initial starting point of what they're looking for. Because I think everyone's wired for this, something more than what we have here. Um, so that's that about the drugs. There, there, yes, there's more to the whole scene than just that. I mean, um, it's becoming a lot more common where a lot of DJs don't drink and don't do drugs for the health reasons. And mental health stuff is on the rise. And 
is very in vogue right now in that community. Sure. And so uh -huh. a lot of DJs who used to party hard don't drink at all anymore. Um, you know, and so they're starting to see the repercussions of certain things. Interesting. Yeah. Um, which, and I mean, there's a lot of money on the line now for some of these guys. I mean, they're making, you know, 50, 60 million dollars a year. Like you can't be showing up to, <laughs> to work hammered. And then, you know, like someone, I, I, I don't know if you've heard of Steve Aoki. Mm. He's a huge DJ. His dad invented Benihana and was this oh. really big celebrity guy. Yeah. But he used to party hard. And he's known for throwing cakes in the crowd. And it's, it's pretty entertaining. But he stopped drinking. And he's like th this super health freak because he's like, he plays like 300 shows a year. He's like, I can't be doing that stuff and be playing this many shows and you know the travel and the wear and tear on your body. And so there's definitely a, a much bigger pull towards health with artists in the industry. Um, but I think from a crowd perspective, the wild party thing is as rampant as ever, especially with what the world's gone through in the last couple of years. Yeah, it, it seems like it seems like like when it comes to that that scene and how people engage it with it, it's almost like they're they're engaging more with the music than they are actually with the artists. Is that is that is that is that true? I mean, it seems like when you go to a, like a rock show or something, like you're you're. You know, there's always a few people that are just like dancing their heads off yeah. that have no idea what's going on. But usually, you know, the it seems like the crowd is like really they know the drummer and they're watching him, and then they know the guitarist. But versus without without with dance music, it seems like it's not so much necessarily about the artist as much as it is with just enjoying what's being. Is is that true or is that kind of a misconception? Uh, I'm, I I understand where you're, like, a little bit um, because as a DJ most DJs aren't playing just their own music. So there is a bit, it's a bit more than just the artist. Uh, but I mean, if you have big records, like people are paying to come and see you play. Yeah. Okay. And that, and, and, and then when you play that record, like people go bananas. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is very much, a, you go to see certain artists, but it's, it's different than a band because when, a, you know, when you go see Coldplay, like they're playing Coldplay music and that's it. Whereas you go and you see a DJ, you're going to hear, well, depending on the DJ, anywhere between 20 to 80% of their set will be their own music, you know? Uh, so it, it, then it naturally then brings in sure. more than just them as an artist. Sure, sure. Um, and then these, these people reached out to me this one time, and they were going to a dance club in Seattle. And the reason why they were going is because they say they go there, and these portals are opened in these dance clubs because of this like what I would refer to as maybe like a temple of counterfeit worship where people mm. are going all in and that they're actually opening these portals. And these people told me that they, that they were going to, to use those portals <laughs> to access uh, like, like uh, some sort of kingdom dimension. They asked yeah. me if I wanted to come. I said, no, thanks. I was like, I got my own portal and it's, you know, it's in my shower, but uh, <laughs> I, I uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, that open like I w my mind was kind of blown by that like yeah. these are these are a couple of believers and that's what they do is they go to dance clubs in order to access a spiritual realm using these things that were opening and so here you are this this kind of this kingdom ambassador of reconciliation all this stuff cool stuff Jesus but are there guys in the scene that are like you but perhaps more part of the dark side that are that are opening portals and what's some of the crazy stuff that you've seen when it comes to spiritual conflict yeah. um, in these in these places yeah <laughs> i mean you see some weird weird stuff uh, and then going back to the different genres like yeah. so dubstep music 
like there's some super, super dark branding and stuff that people are going after. There's one artist, I'm not going to name names, but like he, he'll wear uh, like a goat's head with antlers on it and like it'll just be, um, <laughs> he's huge too. And all, and it'll just be like red strobe lights all the time. And it's like, oh, this is so dark. Like, like the excellence of the way they've crafted the branding is super impressive because it's, I'm like, okay, if I were into that, like, that is amazing how you did that, but it's so dark what you're doing. Uh, there's definitely, yeah, with different genres. It, it, that just sounds things, nuts. No, that I mean, just sounds crazy. I mean, that, yeah, that, that's just like public stuff. I mean, there's people that are, I mean, the new age is rampant in, with certain artists, and they do all sorts of weird rituals and things and stuff before shows and things like that, but... Yeah, I think dance music is, is such like a it's, a it's a very global genre of music that there is something very community um, community based to it where people do come and they're celebrating like fights don't break out at these types of shows. Like, okay, it's, it's not like that. Everyone's yeah. there. There's this phrase called plur, peace, love, unity, and respect. Like that, you know. So it's gonna be very happy and. You're going to encourage each other, and you're going to love each other, and you're going to respect each other, yeah. and stuff like that. So, in some ways, like they're not wrong. Like those are kind of kingdom kingdom principles. But I think with just the spiritual aspect of dance music, it people are open, and I I, I find it like in clubs, like the atmosphere is a bit it's a little thinner there than sometimes at certain churches because people there's just religion just isn't there. Wow. I think maybe wow. that's what it is. The absence of religion allows yeah. for all sorts of things spiritually to happen because there's no shaming there's no this is right this is wrong this is wrong which in itself isn't okay but like when everyone is there just like you do you i'll do me whatever sure there's, sure. A, there's a freedom in the atmosphere that i think opens up a lot of things yeah that's interesting that's really interesting and then um dude you see this thing that you're a part of as being uh, a bit of a, a secret key that the Lord's going to be using to unlock some things um, for the kingdom in the, in the days ahead. And we've had kind of a conversation, um, uh, that an ongoing conversation, uh, since yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and cause we just met yesterday. So anyway, uh, but, but regarding, <laughs> you know, some of the typical ways that we think that God is going to do things as far yeah. as how God is going to disciple this next generation yep. and how God's going to reach them. And we tend to think that this next move of God is going to happen in church buildings from preachers with microphones and we're going to figure nope. out a way to get them here. And you, you, you feel like God and I hope you have a verse for this, but you, you believe that God is going to do a new thing. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I How dare you? I, I don't think, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think, like I'm, I'm watching it happen. So it's, it's not a question of thinking, it's just a matter of is the church gonna get on board or are they gonna be offended and complain from the sidelines and watch culture go by? Um, I don't think this billion soul harvest that people are talking about is gonna be led by pastors. I don't think like missionaries as we know it is, is going to be the way to impact nations anymore. Um, and this might, I mean, if this offends you, I, I don't mean to be offensive, but I just, with where the world is heading, the model that the church has used to impact culture, I think it's gonna become super irrelevant very, very quickly. And I think the people that are gonna be discipling culture and leading this billion soul harvest, 
I believe Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, Jordan Peterson, guys like that, they're, I believe they're going to encounter the Lord. And I think those, those are the types of people who will be leading a massive revival, a movement towards people coming back to Jesus. I don't think it's going to be pastors that we know. Mm-hmm. As amazing as a lot of these pastors are, like I think Bill Johnson to be the most famous person in the world. <laughs> everybody, right. needs, everybody needs more of him in their life. Yes. But the reality is, is I reach more people per month on Spotify than Bill does preaching a month. And that's, that's weird, but it's just the reality of where the world's at. Like The weekend has 81 million monthly listeners on his Spotify. He is literally discipling nations every single month on his Spotify page. Wow. That's wow. just Spotify. Wow. That's not talking about the radio and sure. Apple Music and all these things. Sure. And so when we're like, oh, we got to get people in the church, it's like, no, 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 no. Like that, we're, we're fighting a losing battle if, if that's the model. It's like, no, what we need to do is take the anointing, the presence that we have here and infuse it into culture through different ways, whether it's businesses, whether it's through songs, whether it's through, comp- I don't mean just getting out there. Like t- we have the secret sauce, but for some reason we've only kept it in the kitchen. Like share it at the kitchen table with everybody, you know? And yeah, so I, I just think it's going to look different. I don't, I think like m- missionary stuff it needs to, I think we as a church need to maybe adjust it a little bit. Like sure. that's cool to send people to Africa and these third world nations. Like, yes, they need Jesus. And that's awesome. But when I was on Young Life staff for a couple of years after college, the head of Young Life Africa came and spoke. And someone was like, well, what can we do to help you out? And he was like, honestly, he's like, stop thinking about us. He's like, when America gets their culture in order, it impacts the rest of the world. Wow. So stop sending us people to Africa wow. and start sending people into, the, into Hollywood, wow. into the music industry, into wow. businesses. And you're like, okay, if we really want to shift nations and impact culture, like, I don't think missionaries as we know it is the way to do it. It's like, let's raise up a generation of musicians who have 80 million monthly listeners on Spotify eventually. And they're literally discipling nations by just releasing music that carries the kingdom or, you know, businesses that are, I mean, imagine if like Apple was a, I don't know, like they just had that anointing, you know, I mean, well they do in some ways, but like, we're not going to go down that road. Uh, but you understand what I'm saying? The, the impact It's like, I, the churches will never be this big. Churches will never have that type of reach just because of the way culture works and society works that we have to stop thinking like we need to get people into seats at church and they need to hear a sermon. It's like, ah, this younger generation doesn't care. You know, like they, like, I don't even think like worship music as we know it <laughs> is going to be like, that's not going to draw people to Jesus like it did maybe for our generation. Because the, the younger kids don't listen to music like that. Yeah. They don't, they don't care about Coldplay sounding music. Right. Like they want hip hop. They want dance music. They want all. So 30 to 40 year old white guys enjoy Coldplay. Yeah. But I mean, there's a sure. lot, of, lot of other people. There's a lot of other people in the world. On the, in the world yeah. besides white millennials. Mm. Shocking, I know. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I'm convinced that churches need to start thinking worship shouldn't be a style of music, but should be an expression of a heart of music. And that music should sound very different. Like, I I think it's weird that every church in America, well, not every church, but in certain streams, they all play the same music. Like, it's weird. What, what works in Seattle probably 
shouldn't work in Miami. It should be sure. a little bit more local in Miami of what sure. works in Miami. Or something in New York or like in Korea. Their music should probably sound different than it does here. Like, I don't know why we have this belief that oh, Bethel released this new album. I love Bethel and I love their music. Mm -hmm. But like, it's weird that that is like, okay, we need to replicate this everywhere. It's like, no, no, no. People in India, like, they don't listen to this music regularly. Right. What does worship music from India sound like? That's what we need to be pushing. Like, right. what does folk music sound like that carries the anointing of heaven? Like, what is hip hop? What is house music? I think the church needs to start thinking like that and actually putting their money where their mouth is and supporting and funding. You know, the Renaissance was funded well by rich families and the church, but like, it's the greatest art the world's ever seen. Like, why don't we maybe do this again? Yeah, and I think that it comes back to, like, like even what you're saying regarding uh, some of the biggest forms of media right now are, are these box-breaking... Like, I think of, like, uh, uh, Joe Rogan, right? Yeah. He does whatever he wants. Yep. Talks about whatever he wants. Talks as long as he wants. Mm -hmm. and, um, and people listen... The, the people that listen to him tend to respect him because uh, he may not be perfect, but what he really, uh, what he tries to brand himself on is, is, is an appreciation for truth. And he's super authentic. Yeah, and I, and I think that, that that is where, I think this, 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 this devotion for truth is something that the culture so desperately wants, especially now more than ever, mm. uh, our, our whole generation, regardless of what aisle you, 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 you fall on, regardless if you're a left wing or, or right wing, we're all pretty much convinced that we've been lied to all of our lives, that we're being lied to right now, and that you can't trust, you can't trust any media outfit at this point. You can't, you, you know, and I, I think mm. that what everybody's saying is, where can I go to find truth? Yeah. And I think that we're, we want that in our music as well. And I think yeah. that that's what separates great artists from the from the plethora of just generic nonsense yeah. that lasts for a night, you know? But there's so much of that right now. A friend asked me the other day, he was like, name the last movie or album that really inspired you. And I, at that time, I couldn't name something. Yeah. And I was thinking about all the stuff that's been released over the last couple of years. It, it feels like, when I listen to it or watch it, it feels like somebody who was in lockdown and consumed a lot of media and a lot of Twitter and then decided to create from that place. I'm like, man, this is just so stale. It's like, it's very forgetful music. I think there's gonna be a lot of music that, you know, when we look back, people are like, oh yeah, there was that time when like, yeah, let's just forget about all that stuff. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm convinced that if, if you know Jesus, you have an opportunity I don't know if this will ever happen again while we're alive, where the music and the creativity and the art that we make now matters more than ever because we actually know hope and we actually know joy. And if we don't release that through our music, the world won't encounter it. And, and so with media, with music, with all this stuff, like I don't think the church has ever been primed for like a better time in history. Well, wow. Wow. That's least, good, especially man. since we're alive. Like, People are like, oh, the world's going to crap. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think, I think this is setting us up for, if we step up how we should, like, it's going to be wild and it's going to be awesome. Come on, come on, and like, come we, on. We've never had a better opportunity. Yeah, like, we were talking true. last night. I think Joe Rogan is so close to knowing Jesus because he, all he does is try and seek truth. And eventually when you go down that path, you are eventually going to come to the person of truth, which is Jesus. And it's like, he's going to be there. It's going to happen. 
Same thing with Elon Musk. Same one with, of these days, he's gonna is it be, he's one DMT trip away from Jesus actually coming right. Dude, I, I mean, I hear <laughs> you're not an alien. No, I hear stories all the time of people who have been, you know, do ayahuasca and all that stuff, or like take hard drugs in clubs, and like Jesus will show up to them in a club and be like, wow. "Hey, man, wow, I'm I'm what you're looking for." Wow, and they'll leave the club saved, or they'll leave these encounters saved, and so I don't know. I mean, I don't promote those types of activities, but right. hey, Jesus, if you want right. to show up to Joe right. in that moment, come go on. for it, bro. Come on, come on. <laughs> Until then, Jordan Peterson will continue to witness to him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't it amazing? These guys that don't even profess Christianity as their religion are going around witnessing about Jesus and, and how mind-blowing the Bible is, and they don't yep. even necessarily, prof- you know, it's just, it's crazy what is happening right now. I think pastors can learn a lot from them yeah you know i i tend to agree with you regarding pastors and and and, and i agree it's this next move of god is going to be uh yes joe rogan and you know tim pool and djs and then darren stott yeah i mean that's cool bro i'm i'm, I'm you know what i'm saying Dude, your guitar playing skills definitely led me to a deep encounter with the lord last night <laughs> it opened a realm then, it opened a portal bro then i looked up and realized it wasn't plugged in and i was like oh that definitely wasn't the lord well i think you were hearing something in the spirit is what is what you were you know what i'm saying it's not about yeah. uh, you know it's not about natural sound it's about heart sounds and frequencies and stuff um <laughs> hey dude so all right so yeah. bro like obviously Obviously, you're 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 a missionary, as as should we all be. Yeah. Mm. Actually, when you're talking, one of the things that I thought about was John Piper has got a famous quote um, where he said that uh, missions exist because worship doesn't. And his point was that if we if if, if believers were living lives of exuberant, yeah. passionate devotion to Christ, that that the pursuit of the kind of pleasure that can only be found in Christ Jesus would make us so irresistible that we wouldn't have to do any sort of forced missional programming because of our just our because yeah. of our feeding off of yep. off of Christ and i was thinking of that when you were when you were when you were talking about you know some of the forced stuff that we've had to manufacture energy in order to do and i see you as just kind of this organic kind of a new breed missionary mm. as far as what the Lord's raising up. But dude, uh, you've got kind of a, a, a new missions thing. That's super, it's, it's hecka cutting edge, um, which is the name of my new book and uh, <laughs> hecka cutting edge. All right. And, and are you allowed to talk about yeah, that? I think the, it just, the website is live currently. We're going to make a few adjustments next something week. Something just happened yesterday. Yeah, we literally know it was actually like two hours ago. We just put the website live so that if anyone wants to go, Check Check it out. What are you doing, man? Because this is like this is like some unprecedented stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, we would have never been able to pull this off until this time in history because of where technology and everything is at. But I don't know if people are into the NFT space or cryptocurrency and all that. But it's it's kind of rewriting the rules of what you can and can't do as far as businesses and opportunities and creativity, and. Um, this all stems from my record label was underneath this huge DJ. His name's Don Diablo. He's got a record label. Mine was a sub-label of his. That deal ended. We were supposed to go with this other company. They gave us this amazing deal. And weirdly, at the the last minute, they changed the goalposts and like added all this stuff in. I was like, oh, this isn't going to make the deal possible anymore. And so I was a bit frustrated. You know, missed out on a bunch of money and then also just marketing power and stuff for the artists and for everything we're doing at the label. 
And my friend was over, and I was sharing with him, and he was like, oh, that's a decent amount of money, but like, what if we could raise like $3 million for 10% of your record label? And I was like, what? I was like, how is this possible? I was like, I don't know if my, my record label was valued at $30 million, but like, hey, I'm down for a conversation. And he basically laid out this, I guess, kind of business model with NFTs and with cryptocurrency that you could do where... Um, you know, we'll sell a limited number of NFTs. Like we don't know exactly how many yet, but we've got a good idea. Where for one Ethereum each, which is between two and a half and three thousand dollars, depending on the day. And with that, you would get access to any music that we release. But you get it before everyone else does. You get access to merchandise before anyone else does. You could have Zoom call Q and As with the artists on the label, things like that. Um, and then there'll be a percentage of royalties that will go into like a community wallet or a community pouch that then everyone who holds an NFT that can vote on what we do with the money, whether we give to a charity, whether we fund another artist, whether we, I could do anything. But basically you could then start to have a say with where money is going in the music industry. And with holding this NFT, you know, you, you can then, as the record label grows and does better and the value of everything goes up, you could resell it for two, three, four times the amount of money that you paid for it. And the whole thing that we're doing with the money is we're going to fund artists that are already doing stuff in the music industry and basically just give them the financial ammunition to go after whatever is needed, that there's going to be no financial limitations for artists to go after what they're really dreaming of and what they're called to do. Because the biggest hurdle in the music industry is finances. That's all that exists between you know, really successful artists and some smaller ones is I mean, if you sign to a big record label, like they, they'll give you a lot of money, but you won't make a lot of money in return. Uh, but it's like we have an opportunity to kind of start change like the whole new business model of how artists get paid, how much they're worth, their value, all this stuff. But the idea is you, instead of giving $3,000 to someone who's a missionary in Thailand, and then you get you know, stories and pictures and testimonies back, which is great, that's all awesome. Yay, Jesus. I love all that stuff. But what if you could do that for people that are going into the music industry and you actually get real return on, you get access to things that have value, you can make money off of it, and then you could resell your NFT for three, four times the amount of money. So you funded a missionary and in return you made money? Like That's possible nowadays, which is a weird... I mean, some people might not like this, but I'm like, I think this is really clever. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, the, the idea of instead of just purchasing an album, you're actually getting to uh, to be an investor into the artist and to have access to who that artist is and to be on the inside in yep. a community of, of, of investors. And you got to sow into someone that you believe in, um, and yet you, you are an owner. Yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's fascinating. It's amazing. Certainly, that would be a, a huge, a, a, could cause a revolution in, in just yeah. how art is, is done, which would be wonderful because for a long time, artists have really um, gotten the shaft. And, you know, so yeah, this and, is, and this anytime, is and I mean, the cool thing is with the way that the NFTs work is anytime that someone resells it, the original artist gets a percentage of every resale. And so, like, you know, Van Gogh has a painting, it gets sold. Well, whoever, like, he doesn't get any money from that sale. 
even though he should, like it's his art. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He decided, I mean, he or his family or the organization who own the rights to it now, like they decided to sell it to somebody for X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. But in the crypto space, that transaction could happen. And then the original artist gets 10% of every time it resells. So there's, it's almost, it's way more kingdom in a lot of ways where you value the original artist and creator and they can keep benefiting from their art gaining value throughout culture and throughout the world. And, you get funded more than just oh, person one bought this. I got ten dollars. It's like, well, if they sell it for a hundred million dollars, well, then I get ten percent of that, which is a really cool concept for artists. I imagine a lot of a lot of things will be going this direction. Everything, yeah, is I mean, from I mean, sports teams to I mean, and, and businesses, it's, and it's happening very quickly with. What happened with in Canada with bank accounts being frozen? What's happening in Russia and Ukraine and everything? People are very attracted to this idea that there can be a monetary system that they can't shut off. Um, and so, because yeah, I mean, we don't need to go down a deep rabbit hole of this sure. stuff. But it is a little bit worrying that we're living in a time where, depending on your ideology, governments can freeze your life. Yeah, uh, and this is the opposite of that. The whole way that blockchain works and crypto works and everything well, they can't with do the, the, with the Jan, Jan 6 thing in 2020 yeah, I mean, like, you know it's, it's all it's uh, just Bank of America handed over all the all the all the records of people that use their you know credit cards it's disturbing while in Washington. yeah yeah it's so wild it's, I, I think I think the whole web 3 thing and crypto and NFTs and all that it's going to look way more kingdom than a lot of systems we have in place right now um, and because I I have friends that are doing very well in this world that have conversations. A lot of the leaders in this space right now are people that love Jesus. Wow. wow. And it's super inspiring. Like one of the leading guys for the metaverse, Holy Spirit filled dude. And it's like, we're going to use this and we're going to be part of the conversation that this doesn't become this like a destructive social media thing that there can be ways this can be used. That's going to bring healing to people. and going to like, I mean, there's a testimony the other day where, someone built a Minecraft world that is geared towards people with autism. Wow. And they, they vet anyone who goes in there to make sure that it, so no one gets made fun of or whatever, but it's only for family members wow. and the people that have autism. And like there are kids that are starting to talk and have normal conversations because they've been in this world. They felt so known the way that it's set up is helping like spark certain things in their mind to get it working where communication isn't so troubling and now they're like having conversations with their parents outside of it. And you're like, okay, we can get really scared of technology or we can be like, all right, Lord, if it's created, you've got to be a part of it somehow. And we can use this for amazing things. Let's do that. Well, that's exciting to hear because I've had several conversations with, with believers that are very, 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 very cautious and nervous and scared to death of the whole meta metaverse yeah. thing and uh and even even one pastor posted recently that he believed that that the metaverse is a counterfeit for the spirit world or for the for the or, or you know for the mm. um uh and so that this is a whole thing to get people to engage with a virtual reality to keep a generation from engaging with spiritual reality and the, i think that's a bit short-sighted yeah and i think that they uh yeah i wrote on i wrote in the comments did you get hacked and then I felt bad, so I deleted, I deleted, I, I, I deleted it. But Let's call um, this guy out. Who was it? No, yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is confession not. of sin. Is Mark Driscoll? So we, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, just kidding. Or am I? 
Yeah, so it was him. So anyways. Interesting. Yeah, but there is a fear, you know, and um, but what I'm what I'm wondering about is the is the church tends to fear what it doesn't understand and it tends and it tends to it tends to ascribe anything new to the demonic, which is why, you know, drum sets were being used you know, in the culture for you know, it wasn't until uh, 94 when drum sets started being used in the church. See, this is like, <laughs> you know, it's I, like, like this, this, <laughs> like this blows my mind. I, I get so confused by this. Maybe it's because I just didn't grow up like, deep in the church. So like yeah. the whole like crazy religion stuff just was not part of my upbringing. Um, I get, I, I mean, like we are friends with the creator who created everything. Like, why are we so afraid of, creativity and creation like satan doesn't create things he he takes stuff that exists and distorts it and uses it for destructive ways like instead of being afraid of anything that's new and creative like what if for once we actually were like oh maybe we as people who are friends with the one who created everything we can be a part of the conversation and direct where this creativity goes rather than like stand from the sidelines, be like, this is so evil. And then be like, how did society get so messed up? And you're like, well, because you're a bunch of idiots and all you did was complain and we're living out of fear. Well, you know, it's kind of funny is, is even though, even the name Satan, right? So you said, you know, Christians with their understanding of Satan, yeah. but uh, Satan isn't even his name. So it's the, the Satan or the Satan, right? Which basically means uh, the accuser yeah. or it means against everything. Which is kind of funny because sometimes you have the church super that says everything. that the, yeah. Sometimes you have the church that is against everything and blaming that on the one who is against everything. Yeah, it's I kind mean, of interesting. I mean, there's a lot of people that need Jesus inside the church. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, that's where we need to see a billion soul harvest. It could begin, you know, in the, in the church. <laughs> I, but this is this is why I think so much stuff is going to happen outside of the church. Like I, and it's not like I love. I want to see the body of Christ as healthy. And, and, and for the record, we're in a church right totally. now, right? And we totally. love the church, and we are the church. Yeah. You know? So it's not like we're not slamming the church. No, but we're just it, saying hashtag just saying. It's just it's very confusing <laughs> to me as people that have, have like know the Holy Spirit. Yeah, are so driven by fear and so. Like I hear these stories, people are like, "Oh, the music industry is just so dark and evil." I'm like, "Okay," like, and then you're like, "Oh," and then they curse all these artists. I can't believe this person does that and this person does that. That's so evil. They're corrupting our kids. I was like, "Well, did you ever think that maybe there are a bunch of people that were Christians that were called to the music industry that were too afraid to that's go right, into that's it right, that's right. because it's safer and easier to be a worship leader on Sunday than it is to actually deal with the ups and downs of the music industry and deal with people that tell you that, Hey, you're actually not good enough. You need to get better. This isn't good enough. Oh, you have to deal with failure and all this stuff. So people have that were called to these spaces opt out because it's hard. And then there's these voids left and then the church is, and then, so then, you know, somebody else goes in who didn't have the anointing that, or the call in their life that maybe the other person did. And, Maybe they're believing and partnering with weird things, and then it gets all weird, and the music they release carries interesting things, and then people are like, how did this happen? It's like, it always starts with us, every single time. Like, this, I just, I don't know. This stuff really infuriates me and frustrates me, because I'm like, guys, 
literally the only reason why the world looks the way it does is because we as the church are cowards and afraid to actually do what we're called to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just reminds me of like the Grammys, right? When you have all these, the top genre performers and they receive their reward and, you know, and the majority of them thank, thank of course their mom and then the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. because they learn their skill in the church. You know, when you look at the majority so of these performers, you know, they learned their skill in the church. Yep. And then at a certain point in time, you know, they branched out and they were engaged their call, but for whatever reason, couldn't, maybe they weren't discipled in a way or, yep. or they left their faith for whatever reason. But yeah, I, it, it is amazing because it does feel like things are changing. And it, 100%. Feel, and it feels like that within the river, not just within our, our stream. And I get super... I get super excited when I hear some of these deep thinkers and people like even Tim Keller and the Presbyterian stream, you know, really teaching this whole dynamic of church integration into the arts and all, and all of these things. And, and then you've got, had guys uh, championing that cause uh, even through like guys like Lance Wallnow, you know, and mm -hmm. so it feels like the Lord has these spokesmen, you know, throughout yeah. all of these different streams and things where there is, there is a bit of a, of a return to this idea of let's, let's have a long-term worldview and let's yeah. make a recommitment to be gardeners on the earth and to really steward this gift that the Lord has given to us. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think this is the most exciting time in the kingdom. Wow. Like if, well, wow. I love if, that you're saying if, that. If you, if, I mean, if you want to be a hopeful person, yeah, but I've, I've, how, how old are you? I'm 37. Okay, so you're a millennial? Yes. That's why you're saying that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't have enough depression in me to be a yeah. Gen Z. No, I'm just kidding. I love Gen it's Z. It's half full. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I absolutely agree. No, Come I, on, I, man. I, I, and I have conversations with, with people that are doing in, insanely incredible stuff yeah. in different areas of culture that all love Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit and are like, yeah, I'm... Part, I wake up, I partner with the Holy Spirit, ask him what to do today and blah, 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 blah. Like the, the results of that in different areas of culture right now, it's mind blowing that we're going to see, I think maybe for the first time since I've been alive, like we're going to see the Christians at the head of industries and not the tail anymore. And, and it's Amen. not just going to be, oh, well, we're Christians, we're right. So we should be at the head. It's like, no, no, we're actually so excellent. And we get to partner with the Holy Spirit and we're leading with creativity and innovation because we should be. Amen. That the world's gonna look at us and go, wow, what you're doing is almost otherworldly. It's, I mean, it is, but it's so incredible and it's so captivating. I wanna know what this is. And then that's the gateway to then having conversations about Jesus. But like the on, excellence and the craft is gonna be so good and so amazing that people are gonna listen to songs, people are gonna see businesses, people are gonna see art and be like, there's something different. I have to know what this is. That's awesome. Hey, let's let's talk real quick about Europe and and Russia yeah. and what's happening in the Ukraine and the opportunity that music really could have there and and even the genre of of dance music yeah. and some of the things that you believe that God's really going to do in Europe. Yeah, I think dance music uh, is huge in all those places, and so there's a unique opportunity to just. Because I mean, you just moved. Actually, you just moved back. Yeah, to you and from your family. Amsterdam. Yeah, you yeah, we've been living, living there for four and a half years. Wow. Just moved back to the states. Um, yeah, four four months ago now, five months ago, whatever it's been. But dance music's a huge part of culture in Europe, and so people listen to it. That soundtracks their lives. It's you know the average kid growing up in Europe goes to clubs regularly. Hmm. Um, 
there's an opportunity if you want to impact culture. I mean, just get music that carries the kingdom in those places and the whole generation is going to be impacted by it. But I, I think it's quite alarming how quickly the world is deciding that Russia needs to be canceled. I'm not saying I agree with Putin and the war or anything like that. I'm not even talking about political I, I am thankful issues. that he ended the global pandemic. I mean, that was so wild. He, he cured the pandemic, so thank, thank mean, you, Putin, for that, right? Who, who knew that's all we needed? Why didn't we do this World two War, years World ago? World War III, right? And, Should have done this three years yeah. ago. No, um, yeah, I, I'm, I really believe that there is something that God wants to do in and through Russia as a nation. Wow. That they're supposed to release to the earth, that this whole move to cancel everything Russian wow. is actually really denom- den- demonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not denomin- yeah, yeah. <laughs> demonic. Yeah. Uh, the kingdom doesn't cancel things. Like, we, we don't. We redeem or we, you know, reconcile. Yeah. And so when I see what's going on, okay, that's not the kingdom. If it's not the kingdom, it's probably the enemy. And I'm looking at what's going on, and I'm saying to myself, this is a bit too odd how businesses that were during the pandemic, people that I didn't agree with on lots of things and media stations and everything, they all have this narrative of we've got to stop doing business in Russia. Let's, they can't access their credit cards. They can't go to these restaurants. They can't do this. I don't know how your average person should be held responsible for what a leader of a nation right. is doing. Right. Like whatever Joe Biden does, whether it's good or bad, it like, has nothing to do with me. And I think it's weird that other nations and businesses could say, well, I'm going to shut down this part of your life because of what your president or your leader did. And so I'm convinced there's, this is what the, the enemy is trying to have the whole world make Russia the new anti-vaxxers and cancel them. Wow. Because there's something that's going to be birthed from there. I mean, so much amazing art and creativity has come from that nation. Wow. That... You, you can't convince me that this is God being like, we're going to shut down this nation. Like, I, just, I just don't believe that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. I'm not, and, and like, I mean, there's probably stuff in Ukraine as well. And, but yeah, I always, you know, there's the narratives of the media and the world. And then I always try and look about 10 layers deeper. Like, oh, God, like, what are you really doing here? Uh, because this all just looks like noise that's to distract us from something else. Or... It's something that's trying to halt or stop what you are trying to build and do. I mean, I pers- on a personal level, my song "Welcome Home." You know, the number one city for that song is Moscow. Wow, it's wow. it's got two vocalists from Maverick City on it. Like, yeah, it is a worship song that got flipped into a really cool house record because it sounds like gospel music and it works. But like the number one city in the world for that song is Moscow in the midst of what's going on. Okay, like, hey God, like you're, you're clearly that, highlighting this. That must be this. humbling, like, right? Well, like, it just, just to see that, to know that there's young people in, in that nation right now that are listening and being ministered to and finding peace, you know, yeah. from that track. That must be humbling. It just convinces me even more like God is doing something in that nation that is going to be profound that, the enemy is trying to stop by having the whole world cancel Russia. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really, really good. And just this going, is not a geopolitical conversation sure, I'm having sure, right now. Sure. 
Yeah, but because if anyone listens to this and tries to clip it, no, I'm just, no, no yeah. like it's not like this is literally just a cultural conversation about. I think God has something so special for that country. Yeah, and it goes back to truth, which is what we were talking about before, and this whole thing of um, that everybody has been awakened to this reality that we are being lied to by organizations, by media, by political parties, by the Democrat Party, by the Republican Party, that, um, that nobody wants to tell the truth right now, and that if there should be an agency that is committed to truth, it should be the Church of Jesus Christ. Yep. And that we should not be getting our truth from Fox News. We should not be getting our truth from CNN. Uh, we should not be getting our truth from Joe Rogan. You know, he had a doctor on that show right at the beginning of the pandemic that freaked me out, man. And uh, and I wish I never would yeah. listen to that. You know. Um, yeah. So we should not be getting our truth from media. We need to be getting our truth from what the Lord is saying in his yeah. word and what he's saying in the spirit, what he's saying to the churches right now. Yeah, and yeah it's, it's so important. It's alarming to me how quickly the reaction from people in the church was to just throw up a Ukrainian flag, make these really intense statements about certain people and countries based off of what's going on. I was like, guys, I understand your heart. Yes, what's happening in Ukraine is awful. And there's so many innocent lives that are being taken and like, it's, it's sad and it breaks your heart and it's awful. Um, but I've just seen statements from certain people. I'm like, yo, did you pray about this before you posted that? Did the Holy Spirit tell you to write that? Because yeah. I think if you're really pressed into what God's doing right now, maybe you rethink the way you, uh, you just said that thing. And sure. it's just bizarre to me how emotionally manipulated Christians can be because they want to be empathetic and compassionate and all this stuff. Sure. But it's like, yes, we also need to be wise and mature. And I think with maturity comes not being swayed to and fro by the latest crazy event that's happened in the world. Like, it's okay to not post something for three days and then share something after you've sat on it, prayed with the Lord, talked to him about it. Like, we don't need statements every two minutes from you about the latest current event. And so I, I just, I'm like, guys, we got to be more mature than this. If we're supposed to lead nations, like, I don't know how we can do it if we're just like blowing in the wind based off the latest thing. Yeah. Yeah, so good. It's almost like songwriting or like, or sermon writing late at night. And then you come back the next morning and you, you. Uh, this is awesome. Or this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Then you read what you wrote and you're like, oh no. You know, and that's kind of like people that post on social media at, at night, but then never go back to read the next morning what they wrote, <laughs> yep. you know? Yep. And then they wonder why Darren's talking about him on his, on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to say more names again? Yeah. <laughs> I got a gonna... list. <laughs> Dude, I so appreciate you. I so appreciate your art. Yeah. And uh, last night was so much fun. Uh, it's such an honor to have you here this weekend, building a relationship with you. Yep. Totally agree with you about this 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 front lines underground mm. movement that the Lord is up to, um, that we're getting little glimpses of, but yeah. we really have no idea how he is preparing the earth for an incredible harvest of souls. Yep. I know he's calling all hands on deck in this yep. hour. Um, and I agree, this is the most significant time in human history to be alive. I mean, um, it, it is such an exciting time for the kingdom of God. So, bro, we're cheering you on. We're, we're going to be following you. Thank uh, you. Spotify and Instagram, everywhere else. It's... Uh, King Topher, you guys, come on. Oh, real Let's, quick, real quick. Yeah, 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 what's uh, up? 
anyone that listens to this, if you want to check out the NFT project we're doing, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. go to btknft.xyz. That's the website. Okay, awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes because nobody here is ever going to remember that. That's so okay. we'll put that in the show notes. Check yes. it out because that sounds like a really cool, yes. very original concept that's certainly going to be everywhere in the days to come. So let's go. Boom, son. All right. Bless you guys. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Awesome.